Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Uh, let's go to the Orion and Downstairs Convenience Stores guest line. There are truly steps beyond convenient. There we'll find Adam Beasley from the Miami Herald, Dolphins reporter extraordinaire. Dolphins are practicing getting ready for the Arizona Cardinals. Thanks for joining us, Bees. Uh, good morning, fellas. I guess it's afternoon. What's going on? Yeah. How are you, man? Great. Great. Long time no talk. How is the uh, how is the injury situation looking as far as practice today? Uh, obviously, questions with uh, with Pouncey, Devontae Parker, Kiko Alonso. How is that rundown looking? Yeah, let me uh, let me go through it for you. First of all, I would not expect Mike Pouncey uh, to play on Sunday. Uh, all signs are he'll miss his fourth straight game. Uh, he wasn't even out there working rehab on the side with uh, with trainers. Uh, so I would say he's a no go. Uh, Kiko Alonso, I mean, he's a he's a stud. Two days ago, he was undergoing surgery for a broken right thumb. Uh, he was out there at practice today. The question is, how much are they doing today, and how much will he do of that? Uh, they weren't even wearing helmets, so it's basically a glorified walkthrough today. But the fact that he's out there with that right hand casted up certainly is encouraging. Uh, Jarvis Landry was absent today, but it was not football-related. Just a personal issue he's taking care of. Uh, Devontae Parker practiced today, or is practicing as we speak. Uh, who am I forgetting? Uh, Jason Jones back from a two-game suspension, so that'll help a defensive line that kind of got pushed around on Sunday by the, by the Ravens. And uh, I think those are the main ones. Bees, let me ask you a question. How... Uh, on the outside of the organization, the loss to the Ravens was incredibly deflating. Uh, a lot of people felt like that was a make-it-or-break-it type of game. How, are you able to get any sense inside the organization, whether it's players, coaches, management, whatever, if it was the same sort of deflating reaction or if uh, they feel like they still can make a run at this thing? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's they're, they're 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 packing it in by any stretch of the imagination. Certainly, that was a, a devastating loss for a, a lot of different reasons. They didn't show up at all. They didn't play well. Uh, they're now a game back of uh, the Broncos. Uh, the the the, the tiebreakers are really kind of getting tricky now. So, from a just a functional uh, functional way to look at it, certainly it was a bad day for the Miami Dolphins. But I don't think they're thinking though, the sky's falling for this reason. Uh, nobody played well. You talk to people in the organization, nobody played well on Sunday. It was just one of those days where they all played like garbage. And so it might be just kind of like a one-off. Certainly there are games that some players play well, some players play poorly, even games like the Tennessee game where not a lot of guys had it, or Cincinnati, not a lot of guys had it, but some played really well. Uh, you talk to people in the organization, nobody really played well on Sunday. So that's it's good news, bad news. The bad news is they just were a total no-show for the biggest game of the season. But the good news is, is that they're not that bad. They're not 32 points worse than the Ravens. Uh, they're, I don't think they're as good as the Ravens, but they're not that bad. So, yeah, I mean, look, yeah, it, it gets no easier this week. The Cardinals are, might be the best sub-500 team in the history of football. You look at them, everything they do on offense, on defense, they're a really good football team. If they have the kind of – Dolphins have the kind of effort on Sunday they did last week, the result might be even worse. Bees, was there something uh, startling going over the numbers and the and things that from that loss that that really really stood out, or maybe that's something that's been going on even during the win streak that really kind of collapsed on them for the reason that they got that loss? Yeah, I mean, I, I just think the defense in general 
Uh, we thought their pass defense was pretty good, right? Like their run defense got run all over by by the Niners, but their pass defense has been consistently good. They've been able to get off the field on third downs. They don't give up a ton of yards. That totally, you know, that script flipped on Sunday. They were, I mean, they were awful in their pass defense. And so the question is, again, it was just a one-off. The guys didn't play well. Or is that the blueprint for teams like the Cardinals, uh, the, the Bills, certainly the Patriots in Week 17, to see that they can't, the Dolphins cannot defend the middle of the field? Uh, is that is that a sign of things to come? If that's the case, if teams kind of figured out the Dolphins that they can't cover the tight end, if they can't cover those shallow crosses, uh, they're they're not going to win another game. I mean, you have you cannot in the NFL. Those are some of the easiest throws and some of the easier throws to defend. Uh, they were playing zone defense and they were finding holes in the zone. Now we talked to uh, Coach Arians today at the, the Cardinals, and he said, you know what? He looked at what they've done before that game and what they did, how they played today or on Sunday. And they hadn't played that way on defense. They hadn't had those kind of terrible busts. And so he's like, he, he's kind of a looking, looking at it as an anomaly as well. He doesn't think that they're going to play that kind of defense again uh, on Sunday. So, but certainly, I mean, it was, you had a lot of questions after that game. Like, are there linebackers anywhere good enough, particularly after uh, Alonzo got hurt? Uh, what, what was that, 88-yard drive that took nine minutes off the clock? Yeah. I mean, that, that was just, that was a bloodless just execution of that Dolphins, the Dolphins defense. And uh, and if, if that is the blueprint, if that's how teams are going to attack them the rest of the way, uh, Dolphins fans might be ready. Might have to get ready for seven and nine. Beasley, I don't think it was anything schematic or anything that you can look in at the game statistically. When I watched the game, uh, I was out to eat, so I watched the game with no sound. And to me, it just looked like there was a difference in the energy level between the Ravens and the Dolphins to the point to where. We've been saying every game is a is a playoff game that they're playing in, and it looked like the Ravens showed up and played in this game and knew the importance of winning this game, considering it was an AFC game against an AFC rival, and they have still the Steelers and the Dolphins were on their heels. I don't think that the Dolphins took the game as seriously and didn't come out with the right energy. As far as, like, schematically and – yeah, there were a lot of uh, holes in the middle of the defense, you know, especially in the pass lane and tight ends. I just think more so it was the fact that they came out a little flat and didn't really jump on the opportunity to gain more space on the Denver Broncos or any other team that's in the AFC that was trailing them. No, I, I think you're right, and I think it's a point that some of these players made after the game. Uh, Brandon Albert called it a wake-up call. Uh, and, and by that, he meant this. He's like, look, we've been rolling. We won six in a row. There may have been some people in this locker room who thought, you know what, we're, we're good. We just show up and we're going to start beating teams. No, you, you can never do that in the NFL, particularly when you're the Miami Dolphins, who, although they're very well coached and they have some good players, aren't nearly as deep and talented as some of the teams they're going against for that sixth playoff spot. So I think that there may have been some of that. But I also think some days, and, and you know this as well as anybody, it's just not your day. I mean, some days you just get – hammered and i don't think i mean i think there's some things they could have done to make the margin closer yeah but they could have played that game 10 times on sunday and the ravens would have won off 10 just because it was it was the dolphins turn it was their turn for all the breaks that they had gotten in the six weeks prior to go against them these is is there any uh, you know we talked a little bit earlier in the year about like Devonte parker and his need to kind of show toughness and play through pain uh, i'm not questioning pouncey's toughness but is there any pressure i guess from the organization towards him that they really want him to do everything he can to get back uh for them to be confident that he's going to continue to be here 
I mean, that's that's a fascinating question, Tobin. I mean, I, I, I don't know. He is one of their cornerstone guys. They look to Jarvis, Ryan, Sue, Rashad. Uh, Pouncey's one of those guys. But to be a cornerstone, you have to be reliable. And he just hasn't been reliable. He's going to probably miss his eighth game of the season uh, this week. And there's really no guarantee that he'll be back at any point the rest of the year. He was not at all confident when I talked to him about it on Sunday. So what do you do then? Do you go into the season 2017 paying all that money to Mike Pouncey, knowing you might have him for 10 games, uh, but you might not even have him for that many? It's a really, really tough call. How do you let that kind of talent walk away? Because when you look at those numbers, the difference between when he's on the field and when he's not, it's stark. I mean, he is one of their more valuable players. But again, would you rather have an A-plus player for for, for, for eight or nine weeks or a B player for 16. I mean, that, that's, that's the dilemma they're going to have uh, going forward. But I do know this, and my colleague uh, Armando Saguero reported earlier today, uh, there was some head-scratching in this building about when those comments about Mike saying he doesn't know if he's going to play again this year. Uh, they expect him to play again this year, but obviously he hasn't healed enough to play uh, right now. He's not practicing today, and it doesn't look like he's going to play this week. So after that, there's only three games left. I mean, that's, we're really coming down to crunch time. If they're going to make, if the Dolphins are going to make a run, they have to have that offensive line healthy. All five of them have to be healthy and playing well. Uh, and they've only had that for, what, three or four games all season. Yeah, Bees, I was just going to say, just, just from being around and seeing guys that have been injured and hearing reports and how it goes, like from the outside and, and I look at Pouncey's injury, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not in a locker room. I can't assess him. But from the information that I, I've been given it seems to me that he will not be able to play because the position that he plays, playing center, have to, having to always be in that squat down position, and if you have a hip problem, things like that, it's very hard to get in and out of your stands. And the center moves lateral. And so you mentioned, you know, would you rather have him as a – I don't even think if he came back now he'd be a B plus. I think he'd be, you know, a, a C at best. Do you push him? and kind of try to get him out there hoping that he's going to make the team better? Or, like you said, do you let him fully heal up and then hope that he becomes that player that you've known him to be for next year and next 16 games? And not saying you give up on this season, but is it worth to put him out there now when he's still not even going to be, you know, to the caliber of player that he usually is? I think you've summed up their, their thinking perfectly. What can they get from him the rest of the way? And whatever they do get from him, Will it put him him at risk 2017 and beyond? Look, I mean, Mike's one of the best guys in the locker room. He's accessible. He's obviously a team leader. Uh, you got to wonder what his thinking is long term. I mean, does, does this guy this guy's had now I think four hip injuries, including three surgeries, since June of 2014. That's not normal. I don't. I mean, I know this is a violent sport. Uh, Adam Gase uh, likened to getting a car wreck every every week, and I think that's fair. But even still, uh, I mean, you played. A lot you know what it is? It, it's like it's like a catcher with bad knees, right? Really, when you no. think about it, because he's a center and he's always in that he's in a an awkward position compared to all the other linemen. His his legs are spread real wide. He's squatting. He's deep down in the bucket, but his back is flat and his head it's up. It's an awkward position to be in. Just being in that uh, position without an injury is it's uncomfortable. Yeah, and so the question is for Mike. Obviously, he wants to play. He obviously wants to keep earning money for his family. But does he want to be able to walk in 10 years? And that might be a consideration at some point. There's no doubt in my mind he's going to need at least one, maybe both hips replaced at some point. The question is, is at some point 
at age 40 or age 60 because you can only do so many of those, right? I think you can only have two or three in your life, and then that's it. Uh, when does that clock start for him? So he has a lot of things to consider. Certainly he wants to keep playing. He wants to help this football team. This is a guy that's never had a winning season as a pro, uh, but at some point life considerations creep in. I just don't know if Mike's at that point yet. Great as always, Bees. Thanks for the time, man. All right, gentlemen. It's Adam Beasley, Miami Herald. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.